Hello and welcome back to the Breaking Silence podcast. My name is Bianca and I'm here with Corina. Hi. Today's guest is Usmita Paul. She's an active writer, head of Pinecone Review and full-time mother. Susmita can be described as a true citizen of the world, as she is born in India but has lived in Greece, Sweden, Vietnam and Hungary. So her international experience gave her a unique artistic perspective and made her aware of several social issues which she addresses in an artistic way. Regarding her magazine, Pinecone Review is a literary magazine dedicated to writers who identify as brown and beyond. We'll be talking about how art and especially writing can be a form of activism, the Pinecone Review's mission, and um, Sismita's experience as a brown writer. To clarify, by brown or brown individuals, we should understand people of color belonging to minorities that do not identify as neither black nor people of color or POC, and they prefer to be called as such. And we should be aware of the label individuals would rather use for themselves. Welcome, Susmita. So happy to have you here. Uh, thank you so much, Bianca. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you, Karina, also for having me here. Pleasure is all ours. Uh, let's firstly talk a little bit about you, shall we? How would you describe yourself? Well, I think firstly I'm a mother because, you know, not only by the very biological fact that I have a child, but by the fact that, you know, with his interests, my experiences of the world have been changing and growing. And uh, it has actually shaped my writing also very deeply. So I primarily, if you ask me who am I, I'm a mother who is also a writer, an artist, and all the other relations that comes with being in a family. That's very sweet. And uh, we talked uh, prior to the interview about uh, human rights activism and about the fact that uh, your work is in a way a form of activism. Um, also, your work as a, the chief of the magazine is a form of activism. Where did the need for activism come from? Oh, that's, that's a very interesting question that you have here. Because uh, I believe that I have always been a person who believed that anybody who needs a voice needs to be helped and given a voice. It's It's been there with me ever since my childhood. You know, I have been this uh, uh, hot-headed person who always have opinions about all the wrong things and would voice her expression against her displeasure against all this stuff, even from like the beginnings of school. So when it when you ask me where this need for activism arises, I think it comes from a certain sense of empathy uh, with humanity in general, and specifically with the fact that, you know, uh, by virtue of living in different places over a very short time, like I don't think uh, 30 years is that much of a time in a human being's life, but uh, in that space, when you have lived in different spaces and when you have interacted with different people, and you find that, you know, it is always uh, seen that people who have the power to express themselves are are the people who are heard. So it is like an empowering activity that begins from this personal need 
to be empowered. There's also another aspect to it, which is that I have been a patient of schizophrenia and bipolar mood disorder. And since the very beginning, I've been part of an NGO back in India. And there we use this virtue of art and writing to empower who think themselves as victims of mental health, as patients of mental health and feel powerless. So I think empowerment is a very big issue in my concept of being. So you say um, both your art and the magazine itself are a place of empowerment for those without a voice or to emphasize others' voices. Uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the magazine, um, would you like to explain what Pinecone Review stands for? Uh, yeah, sure. I would love to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that is very personal and at the same time it is very public because it was born out of a personal need uh, to overcome severe depression during the uh, lockdown phase in uh, Corona in 2020. And it has become public because it is not only about me writing. It is about people who want to write and who think that, you know, they don't have the place where they will possibly be accepted because of the style, maybe because of the themes they're writing in, uh, because of the fact that they are unpublished writers. Uh, the Pinecone Review is home to people who are Pushcart nominees alongside people who are publishing for the very first time. And it is born out of the concept that, you know, nothing in group sustains for long. So it is all about inclusion and it is all also about respecting differences. So I think um, the magazine also has a really interesting name, the Pinecone Review. So why Pinecone? How did you come up with that name? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the very uh, local fact that is that, that uh, next to my home, there are a series of pine cone trees. And before coming to uh, Austria, actually, I have never lived in a neighborhood that is filled with pine cone trees. And you find pine cones of different shapes and sizes and diff like, you know, smashed and blooming everything on the road all around the year. And this has been a very uh, inspiring thing because it's always like something's happening. You know, it's like a happening neighborhood that I stay in because uh, no two pine cones are the same. And uh, every time I go out, I used to collect a pine cone and made a bunch of it at home, uh, which I eventually had to throw out, which is another question. But the fact remains that, you know, uh, it is a very... Uh, engaging thing for the mind because change is constant and at the same time there is a familiarity to that change but when you come to the specific name of why i uh, chose the name the pine cone review it is because the fact that the pine tree is a very very unique tree in the sense that it is androgynous it gives birth to both the male and the female cones but what is interesting, far more than the fact that it is androgynous, is that it does not, uh, the male and the female cones of the same tree do not copulate. It is about the intersection of uh, the male of one tree and the female cone of other tree that gives birth to another new tree. So it is 
it is it is what i said before actually it is that like in group behavior doesn't sustain at all whatever seems to be complete and whole you have to still go beyond it because that is what remains for not forever but you know for a longer period of time so to say and does this also kind of um apply to you the magazine itself because you said um it's also a going beyond um and there is a focus of the magazine on people who identify as brown so what does it mean to you to identify as brown okay i'll i'll take that in two parts i i think because uh, first there is also this you know uh when i came up with the idea of the pine cone review the first impression of people was oh it's brown and so you're saying brown but pine cones are actually not only brown they are various shades of brown there is not one particular shade of brown that you will find in all the pine cones that you come across and this this gamut of uh variety this variety is what i think uh i want to encapsulate in my writing also as a brown individual i think uh it is very important that not only the color of the skin but going beyond that essence of who i am for example if somebody is born in a family where one individual is brown but the other individual is not what do you call this second generation person is that person brown half brown not brown so all these varieties of experiences is something that the pinecone review wants desires and hopefully publishes uh in its own sweet time uh when it comes to me uh myself as a brown individual when i was living in india i did not realize that i was brown because i was living in a common existence of brownness but when i came out of india for the first time when i think i was 26 years old for the first time in my life when i traveled across the world with my husband i realized that you know there are so many differences with regards to culture with regards to experiences with regards to references in memory uh for example like when i refer to the idea of a mother the very image that comes to my mind is someone draped in a sari this is something that will not be the same for someone who is say a vietnamese someone who is an american person someone who is a native american person everybody has their own different referral points in mind i think uh writing gives me that power that you know i can encompass all these varieties and at the same time find my rootedness uh before we go further uh to our next questions uh you had a really interesting point on the variety of air quotes shades of brown and this is a great example of intersectionality um you were talking about um mixed cultures and mixed families so just as a quick explanatory note for our listeners uh intersectionality is a term that was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw uh a black woman uh, and american lawyer uh in her words intersectionality is a metaphor for understanding how multiple forms of inequality and disadvantages can compound together uh themselves or um as you mentioned uh can create um the whole agenda of of differences from different aspects of the a person in the same body 
So it refers to the variety of identities an individual has, such as gender, sexuality, race, ethnicity, which can lead to all kinds of disadvantages and discrimination, or, on the other end of the spectrum, to forms of privilege. For example, a brown bisexual female may experience racism, biphobia, and sexism as all these identities intersect in one body. Now that we uh, clarified that part, um, we would like to talk a bit about the last issue of your magazine, if possible, which was dedicated to LGBTQ plus uh, writers. For our listeners who may not be familiar with the term LGBTQ+, um, it describes various identities such as lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer and beyond. So does this focus on LGBTQ plus writers tie in with the mission of the magazine and how does it do that? Um, it, it was actually not a very planned issue, so to say, because, you know, we did not have a timeline of, you know, doing the queer issue. But when the Pride Month ended, uh, I thought that where did all this celebration go now? What is left over? And what will happen to all those uh, celebratory messages and expressions of uh, community that, you know, bombarded the social media during that point of time? So is the um, this issue of the magazine a kind of continuation of the celebration? Yeah, it is very much a continuation of the celebration. It is also like uh, not only a continuation of the celebration, but also, I would say, uh, registering the fact that living is not only about celebrating. Living is realizing that there is as much pain as there is joy and happiness there are these happy stories of people being accepted as they are into their families there are these stories of people struggling to survive at the very uh, other end of the spectrum i know of individuals in my own city back in calcutta who do not have the opportunity of registering an apartment in their name simply because the neighborhood have an opinion against queer people so the Pinecone Review thought, we came together and we thought that what we could possibly do with this, we cannot put ourselves in their shoes because our shoes don't fit. We cannot say that, you know, I can sympathize with you. At the same time, we cannot say that I empathize with you in the sense that, you know, I do not know how a gay person faces discrimination. I cannot possibly imagine that. But what we can do is that we can believe that what they are demanding, what these individuals are fighting for, is worth the fight. And I think that is what Pinecone Review stood up for when we uh, put together the cure issue. So you're saying because we would want to empathize uh, and sympathize, but it's impossible for us to feel the same because we're not in the same circumstances. Art yeah. can fill that gap in between people. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. It was uh, like uh, so uh, enlightening because two, three individuals came forward, uh, messaged me saying that, you know, we want to contribute, but we don't want to come out of the closet. So I said, that's absolutely fine. You can just write or paint by your 
pen names, you know, you can create an identity beyond yourselves, your social existence. And that's what they did. And I'm so very proud of the fact that, you know, they trusted us, that we could possibly, a bunch of heterosexuals who do not possibly understand the challenges of queerness, uh, were trusted with all their intimate personal experiences of pain, of joy, of laughter, of tears. And they said that, you know, you can do, you can present our work to the world. And that's exactly what we did. So we could technically say that writing and publishing are definitely a specific type of activism. I just wanted to ask you, what is your view on activism as an agenda? And how do you think people can actively contribute to social justice um, and fight differences in the system and fight oppression? I think uh, that any big wave needs to begin with a ripple. So it's just that, you know, if you have a vision of doing something great, start small, because that's where it all begins. And uh, you got to imbibe this sense of activism, not on the streets on particular days or dates or celebratory parades. Yeah, that is absolutely, it gives a kind of a visionary panel to people who have no idea or no clue to what it is. But in your life, if you really want to uh, affect change, you got to do that in everyday existence. You got to stand up against bullies when they are bullying somebody who is queer. You got to stand up to uh, like racist comments when you know that, you know, uh, somebody who cannot possibly express their opinion is being uh, bullied by racist folks. So it has to begin very small. And that eventually, if, if each and every single individual does that every single day, it's got to create change. So it's an, you say that activism is an everyday um, challenge in itself and it's an everyday commitment. Uh, I think it's not so much of a challenge, but it's also like a challenge to the self to say that, you know, am I going to stay safe in my soft bubble uh, forever or am I going to go out of it and walk around with other folks? But it is a sense of commitment because day in and day out, you have got to believe in yourself that you can do this. So in that sense, it's a challenge. Yeah, definitely it is. And that's exactly what uh, we encourage our listeners to do and what they're uh, engaging into. Uh, everyday small waves that can create a, a bigger tsunami of social change. Uh, we talked about coming together, uh, about respecting and celebrating difference, um, about labeling, uh, about um, intersectionality, and what does it mean uh, to be a brown writer. At the same time, we talked about amplifying voices. Now, having all of these in mind, Susmita, what does true allyship mean to you? I think it means that, you know, you respect differences in the sense that uh, you say to your best friend or uh, you say to yourself that when a difference crops up, I will not be defensive. I'll not be aggressive. 
I'll be accepting. I think that is one important aspect. And the other aspect was very well articulated by Steve Macquarie. I went to see his exhibition back in Graz a couple of days ago. Uh, and uh, in, 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 it's also interestingly titled Colors. It's not, it's, it's port, big portraits, but you know, it's interestingly titled Colors. And he says that I'm interested in people, how people are different, but yet how they are the same. The essence of humanness is the thread that connects us all. All the elements that are there in the human body exist in the universe. Nothing is there in you that is not there in me. So if you realize that sense of sameness, and at the same time you realize that in spite of the sameness, there is difference and accept that, I think that is what true allyship is. I think that is beautifully said and there's nothing really to add to that. So thank you so very much for this conversation, agreeing to coming on our podcast, Smita. We appreciate you and your work and wish you, your family and the magazine all the best for the future. Thank you so much, Karina and Bianca. It's, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Also, a huge thank you to our wonderful listeners for tuning in today. Don't forget to tune in again next week when we continue our journey of educating ourselves and listening to people who are involved in anti-racism activism to amplify different perspectives and also help you, our listeners, to educate yourselves. We hope to encourage you to carry these conversations about diversity into your homes, to your family and friends. We know this isn't easy to talk about, but it is the only way to raise awareness for discrimination and side with those affected by it. In other words, to be a true ally. So that's it for today and don't forget to break the silence.